You're listening to the Grace Family Church Podcast. Notes for today's sermon are available by downloading the GFC Florida app. We're going to do that one more time. Hello, Grace Family Church. Before we get started, two things. One, I want to uh, uh, say hi and give a shout out to all of our campuses. I'm not going to start to mention them because I'm going to mess someone's name up. Uh, but two, I also, as the couples pastor on here on the Lutz campus, I want to invite each and every one of you, August 18th and 19th, we're having a marriage conference. Yeah, we need it. We're having a marriage conference. Here's what we know. We know that the devil is busy and he is trying to tear down families and, and destroy marriages. And I think there's no better way for us to sock him in the eye than for us to invest in our families. So register for this conference. I want to set Tampa on fire for Jesus. I am, I am excited and delighted to be uh, closing out this series. We've been going through this relationship series called Get Your Ship Together. And we are at the point, because we are a generational and relational church today, we're going to talk about family. Specifically, we're going to be talking about parenting. Now, don't turn me off just yet for some of you that says I'm not a parent or I'm just a child. Listen, if you are a parent, if you've been a parent, if you know a parent and you want to be a parent, this message is for you. This is also for children. So if you've been a child, you know a child, you have a child, you've seen a child, this message also is for you. That's everybody. That, that covers everybody. I, as the couple's pastor, I not only get the opportunity to share with couples about their marriage, but I also get to help them travel this torrential terrain called parenting. And most of those conversations start with, help, I'm a parent. And one of the biggest challenges that most parents have, especially early, is how do you balance parenthood and everything else? How do you ba balance marriage and parenting and career and all this stuff that's going on? Tracy and I, I, I want to let you know that my wife and I are celebrating 25 years just last week. 25 years. She deserves most of those applause because I'm hard to live with. But 25 years and early on, we were having this challenge because we didn't know what to do. I was traveling and I was singing and I was speaking and I was doing all this stuff and I had all these demands and it was, it was just unbalanced and it was like trying to keep all the plates spinning in the air. One day you're trying to do this, but then as soon as you do this, this gets off and it's, it's horrible and we failed a lot. I personally failed a lot. It wasn't until we changed our perspective and checked our foundation that we were able to come up with the right game plan for how we were going to leave a legacy of marriage and parenting in our home. I want to let you know this. One of my favorite things to watch on TV is home improvement shows. Anybody, somebody? Yeah. I love the DIY network stuff. And if you've ever watched one of those shows, it's inevitable that you will see one of these. We call it a level, but its name is actually a spirit level. If you've ever seen one of these levels, you will know that the purpose of the level is to make sure that the foundation is consistent. Or as a carpenter would say, to make sure the foundation is plumb. 
In the middle of the level, there is a liquid. This liquid is actually called the spirit. This liquid in most levels is oil. Oh, I could preach on that alone. <laughs> but when you look at the liquid, in the middle of the liquid, there's a bubble when you turn it one way or the other. And that bubble represents what's called the highest point. I think for many of us in our marriages, in our parenting, we get off balance because we've kept our eyes off the highest point. Whenever you're leveling anything, you first check the foundation and then you check the highest point. For believers, the Bible is our foundation and Jesus Christ is our highest point. We find ourselves mislevel or unlevel when we start parenting or treating our marriages like we don't need Jesus anymore or we've lost the foundation of our relationships. Your perspective matters. And it's up to us to keep our perspective in check. That doesn't mean you get it right all the time. My children will tell you, we didn't get it right all the time. I got five kids, five, ooh, say five. I got five. I got five. F having five children doesn't mean that I'm an expert in parenting. It just means I'm an expert in having children. It also means that when I get old, I at least have one chance where one of them will take care of me. Come on, somebody. But I want to... I focus our attention on what the Bible says to us about our families. And the Bible is more than just, uh, uh, you know, the basic instruction before leaving earth. The Bible literally is how we have success in kingdom living. And so first we're going to start talking, we're going to talk about children. Children. Y'all ready, children? This is for the children. Parents, get ready to, to applause and holler and scream and make noise. Ephesians 6 and 1 says this. Children, obey your parents. It's not just what your mama said, what your daddy said. This is what the Bible says. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. You are actually only being loaned out by God to your parents. They are your stewards. They are your managers. So he says, listen to them because I've told them what to do. I've given them the right instructions. So listen to your parents. Obey your parents because you belong to the Lord and this is the right thing to do. Proverbs 6 and 20 says, my son, keep your father's commandments and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Colossians 3 and 20 says, children, obey your parents in everything. How many things? Everything. For this is pleasing to the Lord. And probably the most popular of all of these texts comes from Exodus 20, which says, 20 and 12, it says, honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord, your God, is giving you. Honor your father and your mother. This commandment and the blessing that's attached to it is repeated all throughout the Bible. To honor your father and your mother literally means to shower with extravagant love and obedience. 
God is so invested in how children treat their parents that he put it in the Ten Commandments. It's not just randomly somewhere in the Bible. When God was constructing the laws for his people, he says, I've got to put this in my top ten. Remember, God does this because the way we honor our parents says a lot about how we honor authority and ultimately how we honor God. It's not just something important that we do, it's also something that we demonstrate. Remember that others are observing the way you honor your parents and God. Your siblings, your friends will learn from your example and someday when you are a parent, your children will learn how to treat you by watching how you treat their grandparents. Even Jesus honors his parents. In Luke 2 and Uh, 51, it says, and he, Jesus, went down from Jerusalem with Joseph and Mary and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. Of all the things it could have mentioned about a young Jesus and what he did, it mentions that Jesus was submissive to his parents. This is the King of Kings. This is the Lord of Lords. This is the Savior of the universe. He's submissive to these regular, normal people. I don't even believe that Jesus ever talked back to his parents. I don't believe that Joseph said, Jesus, pick up those toys. And Jesus said, you're not my real daddy. But Jesus obeyed his parents to demonstrate their value, their worth, their dignity, but most of all, to honor God's plan. And this is what God wants for us. He wants us to honor our parents like we honor God himself. Here are a couple of practical things if you need something to take home. Here are some practical things that you can begin to do to honor your parents. Number one, do what they tell you to do. Why? Because they know what they're talking about. Every parent in here was once a child and say they know know how sneaky you are. They know how undisciplined you can be. That's why you can't hide candy in your room. That's why when you say, I brushed my teeth, that's why they say, blow in my face, let me check. So do what they tell you to do. Tell them that you love them. Your parents want to know that you love them too. Show them appreciation. Tell them good things. Tell them that you appreciate what they've done in your life. Listen, we're humans too. We want to thank you every now and then. Parents don't owe you a good life. Ooh, let me say it again. Parents don't owe you a good life. They don't owe you Jordans. They don't owe you to be your chauffeur. They don't owe that to you. They do it for you because they love you and they want the best for you. So that could at least get a thank you, mama. Thank you, daddy. Ooh, thank you for keeping these lights on, daddy. You work so hard. Can, you, can a brother get a thank you? This is the add-on. Be be aware of your reactions. I would tell my children in my house, you you have the right to be emotional. You can be emotional. uh, But watch your tone, watch your volume, and watch your reactions. There's nothing wrong with you disagreeing with me. uh, But check yourself before you wreck yourself. 
I remember being about 10 or 11 years old and I was at my friend Andrew's house. We were playing, I'm about to date myself. Uh, we were playing Super Nintendo. Yeah. We're playing Super Nintendo, we're playing this game, and his mother called him downstairs for dinner. And called him down and he didn't respond. And so she called him a second time. And I looked at him, said, did you hear your mama call? He said, yeah. And he didn't move, so I didn't move. She calls for a third time and he still doesn't move. And, and moments later, his mother comes upstairs. She swings open the door and says, Andrew, did you hear me call you for dinner? And Andrew said, yeah, mom, I'm playing with my friends. I'll be down when I'm ready. And I remember thinking, I, I put the remote control down. <laughs> I stood up against the wall and I thought, what color suit am I going to wear at Andrew's funeral? I thought, this, this, is, this is not how you honor your parents because this wouldn't work at my house. If I didn't come the first time, uh, there would be repercussions. Treat your parents well. Some of you may be asking this question. What if my parents don't deserve honor? Unfortunately, the reality is that not all parents treat their children well. Not all parents are good parents. A lot of parents are just doing the best they can, and a lot of failed parenting is the result of failed parenting. So they're only repeating what they know. But that's not an excuse for their behavior. So what do we do? We do what we learned last week. Forgive them. It's the first thing we do. Forgive them. Jesus says forgiveness would not be easy. When Peter asked about forgiveness, Jesus says seven times seven. Forgive over and over again. Live a lifestyle of forgiveness. Ephesians 4 and 32 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as Christ has forgiven you. We learned last week to not forgive is like drinking poison. Forgiveness is the gift you give yourself first. For the person who's unwilling to forgive is the person that has forgotten what they've been forgiven of. So what do we do first? We forgive them. I know you didn't have the mother or the father that you wanted. I know that, but forgive them. Even bad parents are doing the best they know how. Forgive them. This is an opportunity for you to grant them grace. And after you forgive them, pray for them. Pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you continue, continue to honor them. Demonstrate to your parents what healthy love looks like. Show them the love of Christ by showing them grace and gratitude. And lastly, as you enter into your adulthood, endeavor to be the person or the parent that they weren't. Break the cycle of heartache and headache and fill the cracks with God's love and restoration instead. That was sermon one. Here's sermon two. This is for the parents. Parenting is hard. It's hard. I've heard this said, parenting can sometimes be described as treading water and then being handed some cats. <laughs> P 
Parenting is hard. We tumble and stumble through the prepubescent range of their existence, and when they begin to morph into these esoteric half-child, half-adult mutant humans, commonly known as teenagers, we pull our hair out. But I want to say for some of you parents, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. Some of you are doing better than Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joseph, they've been given Jesus. He's the savior of the world, and they lost Jesus. They lost Jesus, not for a couple hours, for a couple days. They lost, they lost Jesus, sir. They didn't lose a teddy bear or a toy. You lost Mary. They only had two sons. They lost 50% of their kids on a road trip. So parents, it'll be okay. But the Bible off, offers parenting leadership that we often dismiss. Sometimes we treat it as folklore, but it's real and it works. First thing that parents need to know is that children are a gift from God. They're a gift from God. Yeah. Children are a gift from God even when they don't act like it, even when they don't look like it. They're a gift from God. Psalms 127.3 says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Every single life, every single child is a reward and a blessing, whether they're bringing parents pride and joy or whether they're bringing headache and heartache. Children are teaching us how to be more patient, how to be more loving, how to be more forgiving. Children can actually bring us closer to a Christian-like character. And because they are a gift from God, God gives us some pretty clear instructions throughout the Old and the New Testaments on how to care for them and steward them. In Psalm 103, 13, Ephesians 6 and 4, Colossians 3 and 21 says, A father shows compassion to his children. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. There are many scriptures, but we're going to focus on this one, probably one of the most popular, which is Proverbs 22 and 6, that says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. It sounds so simple, right? Coaches train athletes, sergeants train soldiers, and parents try to train their sons and daughters. Training gives the connotation that someone is leading and someone is following, learning, and absorbing. And as parents, that is our responsibility to lead, to invest, to disciple, to instruct, to educate, and to train our children. You see, we're never not training our children. Our speech, our moods, our preferences, our quirks, our desires, our outbursts, our sponge-like kids, soak them all in and replicate them in their own tiny little lives. Children are the world's best copycats. You are the model, and as the model, you must recognize that your children need your leadership, not passive presence but intentional leadership. So parents all over say this, I am the leader. Oh, say it like you mean it. I am the leader. 
some of you are speaking right into your child's ear right now so they can hear you. I am the leader. You can text it too. I am the leader. That means parents call the shot. Here's what it means, that God has appointed and anointed you to lead them, not to bargain with them. My father would say that the kingdom of God is not a democracy and neither is my house. He wasn't stating it to be arrogant, but to establish that there's a standard in the house and hey, Daryl, it's not you. Just like Joshua does in 24, Joshua 24, he says, as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. Parents, you are the authority figure. That doesn't mean you have to be mean. It doesn't mean you have to be overly strict or unpopular. But I believe that parents are too committed to being friends than being leaders. Yeah. Parents, you have to believe that you're worthy of being the leader. That you're worthy of being honored as the parent. Here's what parental leadership does. Here's what your children need. They need you to love them unconditionally. They will fall short. They will make thousands, if not millions of little mistakes. But when they fall short of expectations and they make mistakes, to love them unconditionally means I will not stop loving you. I will hold you accountable, but I will never turn my back on you. It doesn't mean that I will accept or tolerate bad behavior. It means that I will forgive you immediately and love you through the process, the process of restoration and reconciliation. It means that I will empathize, that I will listen, that I will cry, that I will laugh. It means there are no strings attached. It means I love you. Not only do they need to be loved unconditionally, they need to, they, you need to lovingly discipline them. Ooh, there's that word. Some of y'all start itching. Discipline them, yeah. There's nothing wrong with disciplining your kids. Don't be afraid to discipline your kids. Don't be afraid to tell them no. Some of y'all are real clenched up right now because you don't know where I'm going. I choose discipline over regret. I grew up in an era where my parents could discipline me with a look. I can remember my father preaching and I'm sitting in the audience, and he would give me the look. Anybody grow up with the look? See, this is, this is usually how it went. You get that first look that kind of looked like this. It was, that, that look said, sit down. I see you, sit down. It, and it looked like this. My father would be preaching, and he would go. And if by chance I missed the first look, there was the second look. And the second look was, oh, so you missed the first look? And it would go like this. He would go. <laughs> and if by chance we, I still didn't notice it, there was the third look. And the third look was, I'm going to see you at home. I'll catch you outside. <laughs> and that look went like, You've got to discipline your children. Here's what disciplining means. Give them clear expectations 
and outcomes. Give them clear expectations and outcomes. In my house, we, didn't, we, we don't do punishment. We didn't do punishment. We did consequences and outcomes. Here's what I expect you to do. If you do this, here's what the outcome is. If you don't do this, here's what the consequence is. And I, I would always end those statements like this. Do you understand? Because if they don't understand, I'm not doing a good job. It's not their fault that they don't understand. I have to become a better communicator. So let me find a better way to communicate this for you because I want the best for you. One of, one of the scriptures that I used to hear a lot of when I was growing up was, uh, and some of you all remember this, spare the rod, spoil the child. The Bible says spare the rod, spoil the child. The Bible does not say spare the rod, spoil the child. It doesn't say that in any version of the Bible. It doesn't say it. Parents, stop saying it. It doesn't, it doesn't say that. Stop saying that. The Bible said, no, it don't. I was so glad when I learned how to read. <laughs> Here's what it actually says in Proverbs 13 and 24. It says, he who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him. Careful. Careful mean I'm cautious, intentional, meticulous, methodical, because I'm doing this for your good and for God's pleasure. The Lord disciplines the one he loves. He disciplines those he loves. Do you know that discipline is comforting? In Psalm 23, David says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod is a stick. The staff is a stick with a hook on the end. The purpose of the rod is to keep you in order. The purpose of the staff is to pull you out of the mess that you get into. This is what discipline is. Discipline is to keep you in order and to pull you out of the mess that you inevitably are going to get into. And that's comforting, first of all, because this is how God treats us. It's comforting to know that I serve a God that will keep me in order and get me out of the mess that I get myself into. And this, and this is how God wants you to parent your own children. He wants you to keep them in order and get them out of the mess that they're going to get themselves into. And allow me to iterate that our children need not just discipline, but loving discipline. And love is often spelled T-I-M-E. Time. When you're in a family, rules require relationship. So spend time with your children. Get to know who they are. Find out their, their fears and their motivations and their hobbies. There's value in your presence. Children are far more likely to follow your leadership if they know that you'll spend time with them. Not only do they need that, but they also need you to share your faith. Deuteronomy 6, 5, and 9 says this, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all your soul and all of your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently 
to your children and you shall walk, talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You have to commit to teaching the word of God in your house. I've heard parents say, I want to let my children find God on their own. I don't. And God doesn't. He wants us to be the example that they follow. Now, I can't make them have a relationship with Jesus, but man, I can set the table. God wants you to set the table. Finally, God wants you to be prepared to let them go. Some of y'all got happy because you're ready to kick some kids out the house. But if we look back at Proverbs 22 and 6, as it turns out, there's more to this text than, than meets the eye. The word that's translated as train up actually means to dedicate. It means to hand over to. It means someone else will be inhabiting this moment to give up. It is what Hannah does with Samuel, her firstborn child. She gives him up to the Lord. And in the, in the way, train up a child in the way he should go is actually translated as his way. Train up a child in his way. In the first century, Christians were not known as Christians. They were known as the way. Do you follow the way? This is why Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So in this text, it actually reads as this. Dedicate a child according to his way, not according to your way. Stop trying to make your child a football player like you were, even though you was on the third string and you barely got off the bench. Stop telling your daughter you're going to be a ballerina because you are a failed ballerina. Nope. Stop trying to make them into you. Train them up in the Lord's way. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. That doesn't mean that they will never leave the church. It means that they will never be able to deny the truth. As our children age, they will, many will, we will face many challenges and countless temptations. Some will stray from the church. Some will stay. And we will fail in many, many ways as parents. But in one way we cannot fail is when we hand our children over to their Heavenly Father. What better gift could our children possibly receive than to know they've been dedicated and placed in the hands of the Almighty God? God cares about your family. He cares about your family. He wants, if it's broken, He wants to see it reconciled and it restored. If it's good, He wants to see it even better. Some of us right now have an opportunity to break negative cycles and launch new and improved legacy for the next generation. So today, parents call some kids. Kids, call your parents. Even if you grown, everybody's somebody's child. Begin the journey of restoration. I was encouraged by the story that I heard about Charles Stanley and Andy Stanley. I don't know what happened, but years ago they fell apart. And they had this tradition that every week that they would go to breakfast together and they were, whatever, whatever broke them apart, they were angry and didn't talk to each other for months. But they kept meeting at the same restaurant for breakfast. And they would sit at the table and not talk to each other. They were so committed to restoration. They said, if it takes all year, we're going to keep coming to this table. If nobody says anything, we're going to keep coming to the table. And I encourage everybody, keep coming to the table. It may be hard, it may be difficult, but keep coming to the table. 
God, the, God wants your relationships to be healthy and restored and reconciled, and the devil wants the opposite of that. He wants you to be broken and mad and bitter and angry and say, my mom and daddy never did anything for me. You know what they did do for you? They let you live. You here, and so many other children aren't here. You're here. So start with that. Parents, I want to remind you, remember that we are launching adults, not babying children. It's not our job to keep them for life, but to train them for life. It's never too late. I'm going to hand this over to the campus pastors here in a moment. But don't hesitate. Do it now. Get your phone. Today is the day to get your ship together. Let's pray this prayer. Father, Thank you for loving my family with everlasting love. Help us to know you better and love you more. Teach us, teach us to walk with you daily, listen to you intently, forgive immediately, and embrace each other passionately. And most of all, God, teach us how to follow where you lead. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Family Church podcast. For more info, check out gfcflorida.com. Or connect with us by texting the word CONNECT to 81313. We look forward to meeting you at one of our locations soon.